and you're tuned to the guard frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 12 and was recorded live on March 1st and was made available for download March 4th at guardfrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Lennon. And I'm Tony. So what do we have this week, Lennon? Well, in this week's Spork Box, we will literally take you out of this world. In CIG News, we bring you up-to-the-minute coverage of everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, the latest in-universe fiction, and the fifth episode of The Next Great Starship. You guys picked the topic for this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, and you chose the RSI Aurora, so we'll bring you everything you could want to know about her and more. And then finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in our conversation. Sits and says we are always on the lookout for talented individuals to come and join the crew here at Guard Frequency. So if you've got a creative itch that needs scratching, we'd love to you know help you reach those hard-to-get places. Drop us an email with your experience and what you'd like to bring to the table to squawk, that's S-Q-U-A-W-K, at guardfrequency.com. Please remember that all positions here at Priority One Productions are voluntary. This is a labor of love, but we do look great on a CV or resume. Well, that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the squawk box. Do you boys need a carrier out here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation final. Crypture, crypture, crypture. This is Tony saying welcome to the squawk box, everybody. One of the features we're all looking forward to is the star map for the game. It will give us a sense of location and distance and sort of anchor us in fiction, you know, geography, astrography, stellar cartography, whatever. Well, while we're waiting for that feature, you could, yeah, I don't know, look at an actual map of the actual galaxy populated with actual planets verified by actual sciencing. Dr. Hanno Rhein, currently of the University of Toronto, built this app for iOS devices. Sorry, Android and Windows phone users. And it includes a scientifically accurate map of the known galaxy, including locations and orbits of known planets circling other stars. I downloaded it onto my iPhone 4S and on my wife's iPad Retina, and it's amazing on both. I can't go into all the incredible things this free application does because I'm still fooling around with it myself. But the one thing you've just got to try is zooming all the way down to low Earth orbit. And with a few swipes of your finger, zoom out to watch the inner planets of the solar system sweep around the sun. Zoom out just a little more, and you catch plots of the paths of Voyagers 1 and 2 and Pioneers 10 and 11. Zoom out a little bit more. See the outer planets. Zoom out a lot more to watch Wolf 359, Alpha Centauri, Beta Centauri, Bernard Star, Sirius, Epsilon Eridani, Vega, and the familiar constellations, which... Dr. Highness thoughtfully included as line drawings with the actual stars as the endpoints, those constellations haven't even moved. And I had an OMG moment when I messed with it. I had zoomed in all the way and started to test my memory of college astronomy class. I was rotating a camera around and started to look for the classics, you know, Ursa Major, Gemini, Cassiopeia, and I just couldn't figure it out. Part of my problem was that there were all these other inexplicable lines over the sky crossing in front of all the constellations. I, I was searching through all of them. I couldn't figure what was going on. Finally, I found Orion. And I thought, okay, all right, look, I'm not completely stupid. Good. And then I looked again. Orion's bow was completely wrong. And then it hit me. 
I was zoomed in on another star, not the sun. I was looking at what the night sky looks like in close orbit around Epsilon Eridani. And I looked again and I found a twisted Scorpio, a crooked Big Dipper. The lines that were crossing the sky were the constellations that were so completely skewed by the 10.4 light year journey as to make them meaningless. So go download this thing. If you don't have an iOS device, this is your reason to go buy one. And if you know anybody who can convert iOS to Android or Windows phone, we need to get this done. A link, of course, will be in the show notes. Well, that's interesting. It is amazing. This is when I have a problem with good apps, that people don't care enough to send the very best to their Windows phone people. They've got to get this over to Android, too, because this is just, a, mm-hmm. uh, it's, you sit there with the galaxy on your lap. All the planets, all the, I mean, they're real planets. They're the actual planets that the Kepler mission has identified and said, yep, there's a thing circling that other thing 80 light years away. I'm sure the star map that RSI does will be great. I'm sure it'll be really cool and very interactive and super spacey and all that kind of stuff. The human race has gone to the point where we can actually imagine what the sky looks like someplace else that we've never been and put it on a little thing in my hand that retails for less than $500. Yeah, I mean, having said that, give it six weeks. It'll be on Google Street View, no doubt. <laughs> and there'll be a little Martian there picking his nose. A truck, you know, overturned on the sidewalk as it got an accident, yeah. <laughs> well, have you read, seen, or heard something that you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, checkers green, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. And our crowdfunding update for March the 1st, 2014. We have hit 39,546,000, still on our way to the final system unlocks, plural, the Kabul system and the Oritani system. 7,004 alpha slots are left, still ticking along pretty regularly here. And just over 400,000 registered users. Yay, Yay team! The registered user base is now more populous than the city of Wichita. Yeah, not counting the suburbs, but uh, you know, that's still pretty big. Yes, and because uh, we're still off of the $40 million stretch goal, we don't have a letter from the chairman. However, we do have the latest news update, Advocacy Archive. An anonymous tip-off leads to the discovery of the gruesome end to the crew aboard a starfarer that had collided with an asteroid. But it wasn't the asteroid impact that killed them. The four were discovered wrapped in sheets and stuffed into a crawl space, having previously been murdered. And it would appear that the murderer, or murderers, had planned to scuttle the ship into the sun on autopilot. And the asteroid collision was just a fortunate or unfortunate accident, depending on your point of view. This blog article introduces us in fiction to the bounty office, and if it's any indication of some of the more underhanded ways of operating in the verse, it means that Star Citizen can have some very interesting Eve-like stories of its own to tell in the future. And we had another Sesson article, part five. The series continues marching us forward as strongly as ever with another excellent installment of the epic adventures of Yadev, our roving reporter. This time she finds herself out of the frying pan into the uh, well, basement. Uh, things potentially start to take a turn for the better, but she's still not out of the woods yet. What's next for our beloved journalist? Well, tune in next week, kids. And we have another 10 for the chairman. So in this week's 10 for the chairman, Chris was asked, how will information affect the PvP experience in the Persistent Universe? And we were sort of told last week that information is going to be a key mechanic in that you'll be able to get smaller fighter planes to go out and relay their sensor readings to the capital ships. So, you know, naturally, how would that tie in with player versus player? Well, he tells you that information is going to be key to ownership in the Persistent Universe. In fact, some indicia of ownership. That's a fancy 
tip. Oh, yeah. It's, it's for real. It's, it's a $20 word. Those things uh, will be digital files. So in, you might have a deed to a plot of land or the title to a car in the real world here today. Those things will be reduced to super encrypted, hypersensitive, super strong data packets. And if you want to transfer ownership of an item or give somebody a super secret formula for the next shield generator, you're going to encrypt it, hand it off to one of these Drake Herald starships, and it's going to physically travel from point A to point B because there's no internet system to system in the Star Citizen universe. It all has to be carried through jump points, which apparently don't allow radio waves or, or other EM transmissions to go through. What? You have to physically <clears throat> carry something in an object. Why, you may ask? And that's because physics. You cannot send a message faster than light. <laughs> Pesky physics. Dang it. Well, fortunately, we're going to bend some laws and have things like artificial gravity and stuff like that, too. But, you know, I mean, we'll selectively break the laws of physics when it's fun for the game. So, And what that means is there'll be opportunities to hijack that information. And so if you capture a Drake Herald and it doesn't manage to flush its memory, you could theoretically steal someone's land or steal the title to their car because you then have possession and ownership of the data packet and if you had sufficient uh, computing horsepower to decrypt it then that's yours so that'll be an interesting gameplay mechanic I, I was really excited when i first heard this and this one bit of information alone made me so excited that i was just like i'm ready to pound the add to the my already expensive gifting of star citizen <laughs> because he has taken the approach that this game is not catering to the whiners and so to speak that they need instant chat instant auction so that really really got me going on this game even more so than it already was well and then he's asked about matchmaking criteria on the uh, persistent universe servers there's going to be several categories several factors that go into it and i'm sure that this matchmaking thing is probably going to be among the more closely guarded trade secrets that Cloud Imperium uh, spends research and development money and time on. But among the criteria that he's willing to discuss publicly would be things like ping, obviously. Preference, your PvP or PvE preference. He's not going to give you a pass, like Jeff was saying. Not everybody is going to be able to avoid PvP entirely, but you can make it more or less likely. Skill. This one is the squishiest one. How do you figure skill in a game that is not a typical MMO ladder structure? That's kind of tough. Gear. Well, you don't want an Idris going up against an Aurora. That just wouldn't be fun. And other social factors might weigh in, like who you're friended with, who you've chosen to ignore, what guilds you might be, you know, quote-unquote, at war with. All those things will go into the mix. Anything there catch your guys' attention? Yeah. Just the, uh, the bit that you said at the end there, the social factors of uh, someone you're ignoring. Let's just stick you in an arena with them and let you blow the living bejesus out of them. <laughs> and then go back to ignore them. And one of the things that I haven't heard too much about, and I'm sure there's going to be, is, is are there going to be a reputation system? Yeah, that could factor into skill. You know, that could be a, a substitute for the skill component. You know, rather than having you know, a level 50 versus a level 30, it could be, have you earned a high reputation with this faction? And then I've got a, a faction that uh, is sort of a polar opposite in the game universe, and this person has a high reputation with that faction. Let's put the two of you in an instance together and see what happens. Um, that could be kind of fun. Chris was then asked, how would the capturing cargo work? 
where you have to just click an item in space and it just appears in your inventory? Or is there going to be something more involved? And Chris says that collecting cargo will in itself be a game mechanic. What you'll have to do is once all the enemy are out the way and the area is clear is you will have to attach a line to yourself. Go out in an EV suit and grab it and bring it in. Unless, of course, you've got a tractor beam fitted onto your ship. But cargo isn't just going to be the sort of thing that you can click and it just magically appears in your inventory. You will have to manually retrieve it in some method. Chris then goes on to say that there were going to be some major redesigns for ships that have internal cargo bays to enable this mechanic to work slightly better. So looks like my freelancer is getting another upgrade. Yeah, it'd be kind of tough for the way that some of these ships are structured now to do this. I'm wondering what he's going to do to the inside of my constellation because that is just it's really awkward with the fighter attached. Yeah, I was wondering the very same thing myself. And he's also asked about landing with a beat up ship. We kind of touched on this a little bit last week with the Mustang. How if he blasted off one of those little winglets, you weren't going to be able to touch down anymore. Chris Roberts basically said that he thought, well, if your communications are shot and your ship can't land, we'll have something out there for you to make it work. You know, because you can't obviously just be floating around in orbit forever. Maybe an NPC police rescue something the gar- like that. Call the guard. Myself, call the guard frequency. Well, and why can't there be pilots, like harbor pilots or tugboats? That would be another fun job that could be supported in the engine to go collect broken ships and either put them inside a cargo bay of some kind or do in-flight repair, like some of our listeners have suggested before. Those would be good in-game, in-universe jobs that would be supported by the activities of other players, like getting shot up all the time. That would be something that would a demand would be created by people playing the game, and that demand could be met by people that don't want to fight. I'm seeing second life in space. I I really am. You know, you get up in the virtual world, you have your cup of coffee. I'm going off to the tugboat job now. And you go in and boot in and wait for the first emergency call to come around. That's the kind of place that I think Chris Roberts wants to build. I I really do. do. And I'm all for it. I really am. Uh, You know, it'd be great. Have you guys seen the Idris? It is huge now. Yeah massive there's all sorts of stuff in there now they've uh, got two hornet sized active ships that are on there and that's you know going back to the inventory discussion that was in was mm-hmm, it the last yeah. tenth of the chairman or the one before and about having the ability to move ships from your hangar to your idris yeah it just looks fantastic yeah my old comment about that is when's it ready and how much does it cost oh i have some thoughts on that i have some thoughts on that because not only did they add the hangar bay grew that kind of dictated the growth of the rest of the ship according to some of the stuff i read but they also added like a bunch of stuff like you know a mess hall and crew quarters and things that you need on a ship right so as they had to grow the hangar bay to comfortably fit in some of the larger fighters they sort of added into the rest of the ship as well this is what I think is going on here. These are guild houses. Uh, These uh, mm. capital ships. Uh huh. These capital ships are guild houses. Absolutely. And the people that have purchased them via pledging system already, those people have just or have already purchased their guild houses. And, and you know, a guild house in other games is a place where you have a bank and inventory where you can you know heal. You maybe get your heals uh, to fix whatever damage you have. A capital ship would be perfect for that. And you could actually do stuff with it. As you're flying from planetary orbit to a jump point, instances will only pop if you are tagged as a capital ship. Or instances will only pop if you're tagged as a, as a small ship like a Constellation or, or a 300i. So 
lots of good mechanics are available if you consider that concept. These things are guild houses. If you have one, you get these missions. Well, that's our community question this week. What are you hoping to build with your team? An Idris? A fleet of Idrises? An escort carrier? Let us know beneath our show notes on GuardFrequency.com or on this episode's show post over at the RSI Fan Sites subforum. Hangar Patch 11 and 11.1 landed recently. 11 removed the holiday wreaths and swapped out the freelancer for the new model with the better field of view, and in the process of doing so, they've dramatically screwed up the lighting map on it. They've also given the Cutlass new animations so that now you can actually use the ship. They've made it usable. Yay! And 11.1 added support for the Oculus Rift. If anybody's got an Oculus Rift out there, I know, and they're they're kind of bored and don't really know what to do with it, there are three podcasters right here who would just, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll take Mm -hmm. that off your hands. Absolutely. We'll even let you pay us. It's fine. A couple of smart cookies on the internet went poking around through the files to see what has changed and discovered that on the Max variant of the Freelancer, there is this little tiny hidden arm in the ceiling that's a little bit of a mystery as nobody seems to know what it's actually for. Guesses so far have ranged from a mining laser to part of the jump drive. Uh, Tony, you had a thought on this. Yeah, it's a tractor beam. You reckon? Uh, yeah. Yep. It's yep. a tractor beam for capturing cargo. That's got to be what it is. But on the off chance that people do disagree with you, we will have a screenshot in the show notes, so we'd love to hear your guesses on what it could be. Additionally, this smart cookie has also discovered a rather interesting sounding file name called s42 underscore mission underscore zero one dot xml. Exactly. Ooh. Although it doesn't contain anything substantial, it does contain some preliminary script for setting up the AI and way of enemies, but above all, it gives us a little bit of hope that we're just creeping ever so slightly nearer to the release of Squadron 42. We also had Wingman's Hangar number 58. A couple of interesting things in there that the dev team confirmed is that airlocks will not be one size fits all. So sorry anybody who thought they'd be wearing super space marine armor in your Aurora. That just ain't going to happen because you won't fit in and out of the door. Also, speaking of Squadron of 42, the storyline in there is going to be a contained branching narrative. Chris Roberts is a big fan of branching narratives and having your choices affect future missions and future activities in the universe. But that's being pruned a little bit in the interest of narrative cohesion. We don't want everybody having a different ending to the story of Squadron 42 or else that's going to be a little confusing when you walk out into a persistent universe. You guys uh, find anything interesting in Wingman's Hangar that uh, that I did that I missed? Not really. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> on, to, on to the next great starship. The teams have now been given their design brief and are well into the concept phase of creating their ultimate vision for the next great starship. In an announcement on the RSI website, we heard that the UEE is seeking bids from all companies for the next great generation of gunship. These ships will be deployed to the front lines against the Vanduul. As the ship they're designing will be for military use, it will, of course, be classified and confidential. However, a modified version will likely be made for resale in the civilian market. The teams have been left to choose their own company and name for the ship. So depending on the design philosophy of the team, Chris Roberts will allocate the gunship to RSI, Origin, Drake, MISC, or M-I-S-C, or Aegis. Well, yeah, we went through this show, and we're going to cover each of the entries kind of in our order. The first three teams that went through unanimously from the team that judged them were Skyguard, TriTri, and One Bit Amoeba. Now, we're going to go through uh, each of the ships ourselves and give you our notes on them because, you know, we know here, you loyal listeners know, they should be listening to every word we say because we have great stuff. So, uh, guys, let's open up the Skyguard file. 
This is the gentleman that had the really beefy chain gun, mini gun design in the uh, earlier stage. I like this ship, except there's a couple of design changes I would do. I love this concept. I like this talk through about the, or the cargo bays, the launch for the Marines and everything. But I would move the thrusters to the wings and make them larger. Mm. So take off those mm-hmm. stupid wingtips, put the thrusters out there so they can do 360 degree rotation and you get yourself one heck of a marine lander. I like it, only it makes the engines targets. That's that's a, a good idea, but it just makes them big, fat targets that people could shoot. Then pilot off and then better. Have a <laughs> good solution. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think I, on it? I loved the look of this one. Just if that was up for sale, I would I would buy it now. There's no question. Yeah, that was my, my first reaction when I saw this one. I was like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a ship. That's a that's a star citizen ship. Heck yeah, it is. The cockpit, I agreed with the team. The cockpit's kind of a little small, just to make the cockpit a little bit bigger. I dig the wings, actually, I really do. Mm, um, yeah, same here. And, and maybe work on the thrusters a little bit, but I think even where they're at. Well, the next one we're going to look at is the Tri Tri. Now, this team, I was very excited at their weapon, and I wanted to see the ship that was behind the weapon, and I'm not disappointed. I loved this design. Yeah, it reminds me very much of the uh, Heavy Raider from Battlestar Galactica. Yes. Um, it's kind of got that sort of arms coming out the front with a very square or rectangular chunkiness to the body that just, yeah, it looks like the Heavy Raider. I could lose the big arms. The, the team had problems with the arms, too. I could, sh- You could shrink those down and not miss much of it. The rest of the ship really sells it, though. It is, like you said, very angular and boxy. It looks like it's going to go down there and slug it out. with, with, with and, that, and that was my uh, only like, design change on this ship, is that I would shorten the arms to come out no further than the cockpit. Yeah, or you're somewhere between the cockpit and the front <clears> of the guns. <throat> I mean, they're just too yeah. big. They're just too much. Yeah. What I would actually like to do is turn the ship around. So what they've currently got is the back, have that as the front. Oh, that's an idea. And you could do yeah. yeah, do that. Good call, Lennon. Lennon, Lennon yeah. fixed yeah. it for him. Good job. Thanks. Excellent. Okay, the next one in our little tour through there will be the one-bit amoeba entry. I did not like this one really at all. And there's really only one reason, but it bothers me so much that I just It's can't. the neck, isn't it? No, it's no, not the neck. Really? Not, well, the neck is, is wrong. The neck is wrong. But the turrets are sideways. Who's going to sit angled 30 degrees in this right. thing? It'll screw up your aiming. It'll screw up your fields of fire. It just doesn't it, – it, it screams wrong to me. The team name is One Bit Amoeba, and when you look at this thing from the front, it looks like some sort of crazy, creepy crawly. Um, it does. It does. I, little spiky bits not, everywhere. Exactly. It's like I, we call them wood lice. I think you call them roly polies. They're like – it just yeah. reminded me of like two of those getting it on um, and just <laughs> staring straight at you. It just did not look good at all. So, oh, sick and wrong. Sick and wrong. All yeah. Right. All right, moving along. I've got the next one here. That one's from Cryo. This was the uh, single-person team from Alaska that had that crazy-looking particle gun. Uh, yes. That just was so different from everybody else. And he took the same route on this ship, too. What do you think, mm-hmm. I, I thought this was an amazing design. I think he can go far with it. I like the whole idea of the sword and shield that he was talking about. I didn't like his first iteration. I did like his second. The first one was a B-Wing. Yeah, exactly. It rem- exactly the first one was a B-Wing fighter of, from Star yeah. Wars. That's all it was. Well, yeah, I mm, this one. I, I really liked the particle accelerator gun. I generally like the ship. I just don't feel it's a human ship again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mm-hmm. think that's largely to do with the asymmetric 
Yes, of it. I realize that it's in space and in space no one can hear you scream and nobody really can tell that you're flying sideways. Yeah, I think, again, it's the asymmetric tint to it that's putting it off. And I tend to always associate asymmetrical ships with alien designs, especially given like a lot of the Vandal and the Banu ships. I'm okay with the asymmetrical design of it. I think that it might be interesting to, you know, he had that great backstory the team kept talking about. I would think it would be interesting to work the Vanduul, because it's supposed to fight the Vanduul, right? I mean, it's supposed to be a gunship to support. Yeah. A vandal. It would be interesting for them to work in a backstory like, well, we took some design cues from the people we're trying to fight, and where the Vanduul have a big knife upsetting the balance of their ship, we have a big shield upsetting the balance of our ship. And it'll be interesting for him to design the rest of the ship around the use of that shield. Give me some tactics. Give me some weapons on the other side that complement keeping one armored thing towards the bad guys and then coming around with a weapon strike. I think there's a lot to this, but that needs to be uh, hammered out some more. And for the main purpose of it being a dropship, okay, so you come in sideways to the bad guys, keeping that shield arm between your troops and the raging battle over here off to the side. That could be one reason why you do this, and then you take off and support, and then turn your guns to the naughty people to use that. I, I, there, there's something there, uh, and it was a really interesting and bold choice to do that. And like Paul was saying last week in our interview with the uh, guy that created Void Destroyer, you got nothing to lose. Go out there, you know, and leave it out there in the field. Go crazy with it. Make something unique and different. And I think that's why some of the judges wanted him to go through the next round was because they saw some things there to work with. He was not a unanimous choice. The other team that was voted on was three dingo. It was also it was a split decision. I actually really liked this design. It looked slightly aquatic, which, you know, we haven't seen in many of the other designs. It didn't quite fit the RSI line, which is what they were going for, I'll admit that, but I don't know, I quite liked the look of the ship. All I can say is, uh, when is this thing going to transform? <laughs> are, are we playing Vol- yes. Voltron Yes, Voltron Force or, yes. or in an episode of Macross? That's all I saw with this ship, was when does it bend or separate? Or It's, it's a yeah. bug. Back of the ship's going to swing down and become the legs, right? right? right. And then the, the little the wings on the front are going to pop out to be its arms, right? Yeah, I Jeff, hundred percent. I'm uh, I'm wondering if I can get one of these to go in my fish tank, actually, just like a little miniature one. <laughs> yes, just have a swim about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, they are out. They were not voted into the next round, and they are joined by the final entry into this week's show from Team Catapult. This one was uh, not controversial meaning that the team agreed entirely on uh, on its disposition of being not going through to the next round. But the ship itself, I thought, had a lot going for it. Yeah. I mean, it had the two modes, the fighter mode and the uh, support flight mode. It was good. I think, you know, it wasn't as well presented as the other no. ships. And, no. you know, this definitely looks like the back of a napkin scribble rather than an actual fully fleshed out piece of concept art. I thought this ship had lots of potential. I thought it was a good design, a good concept, but I have to agree with Chris uh, or some of the things that he said was that, dudes, this is the competition. Step it up. You should have had this presentation nailed. You had Mm -hmm. a great idea here. I mean, your guys' design was, I could have seen this in the universe and you failed me. Yeah, I think maybe, this is what I think, I think that the concept of concepting didn't quite make it home with these guys. Like you said, back of a napkin thing, I think that's their idea of what concepting should be. Just keep it loose, keep it free. Most of the real hard work is going to be when we actually 
get in the computer and sort of like make things fit and have to draw it and render it. I think that's what their concept of concepting did not meet with everybody else's expectations of what a concept was. Okay, be. but they did do the um, guns, right? So they know that there was a process here. I'm sorry, there's no excuse. Well, but there's there's to, no excuse. There's no excuse. This I'm not making excuses, should, but what I'm saying yeah. is the weapon was supposed to be delivered complete, though, right? That was the idea, is that they were supposed to show the work-in-progress-ness uh, in the weapon, but they were supposed to deliver a completed project. Here, this stage of the game, deliver us a concept on the way to a finished product. So their idea of what a concept should include did not meet anyone else's expectations. I think it's a communication problem, not a talent problem. Yeah, absolutely. I think they, they just missed the mark on what was required. I don't think it's that they've necessarily not got the right attitude or the right qualifications. It was just a simple bit of miscommunication that meant that they produced a concept art that wasn't, like you said, up to the standard of everybody else, like Skyguard Fabrications. You know, that was yeah. a really yeah. well-delivered presentation. This one was, it was a concept, literally, as in, I have a concept, I have an idea, but it yeah. wasn't a fleshed-out concept. No, So, no, I... I feel a bit bad for them, but at the same time, it truly wasn't up to the spec that all the others were. So I think this one would have gone out regardless of the ass-chewing that they gave it. Oh, yeah. And again, that's the miscommunication thing. They did not understand. Maybe they should have asked for clarification. And as a result, the communication, the communication of their ideas was completely blown out of the water by everybody else. But I have high hopes for these guys in the saving part of this, where the community can rescue people from being kicked out. I have high hopes. I'm keeping my eyes on these guys. And that's our community question here, too. What did you guys think about the Team Catapult presentation? Are you writing them off, or are they the dark horse in this race? Let us know beneath our show notes on GuardFrequency.com or on this episode's show post over at the RSI fan site subforum. So, guys... I've got to know, where the f*** is the dogfighting module? Not here. Not here. Yes, I know, but why not? Why not? Uh, So, yes, this is our little section of the show where we ask where the f*** is the dogfighting module, and we like to tell you what we've been getting up to in order to pass the time and scratch the itch before we actually get our hands on the dogfighting module, which, for those of you who don't know, is landing around April 10th, give or take the release of a presentation of PAX or something like that. So... Um, yeah, this week I'll just let you guys know what I was doing straight up. I bought myself a new Hotes, just a really cheap one. The Thrustmaster T-Flight X model retails for £30, $55. But that uh, doesn't have a separate throttle, does it? It does. It does. It's got a separate throttle and it's actually separable. So you could have yeah. the throttle sort of on one side of the room. I bought this mainly as a cheap Hotes because I was a little bit undecided whether I would actually enjoy one because I'm, you know, I'm not the world's best gamer, but I feel really comfortable with the keyboard and mouse setup. And so I thought, well, I'll buy a cheap joystick, give a couple of games a try, see how I get on with it. And so I, I fired up Strike Suit Zero again, and my god, with the HOTUS, it is an incredibly, incredibly fun game. I have lost countless countless hours to it now um, so I'm definitely going to get myself a, a much better hotel but if anybody is on the fence and you just want to try it out I really couldn't recommend the Thrustmaster any higher. So Jeff, have you been up to much this week? Yes, Swotor I tell you, I, you know I, I, uh, it's, my, it's mindless We had this discussion last I week, know. out I, It's mindless and, and it's <laughs> you know semi-fun and you know there's a lot to do the stuff I haven't done yet so. Okay, well you know, we are just marking we, we time are. That is what yeah. we're doing here yeah, and then Swotor could be considered 
marking time. I, however, have relapsed into one of my very old bad habits. The Humble Bundle we talked about a few weeks ago, one of the things in the Sid Meier pack was Civilization Five. Oh. Uh, that was a huge mistake. Uh, <laughs> I should not have loaded that up because I lost a great deal of time my freshman year of college to Civilization One and Two. And I, yeah, um, let's just say that Lennon was up and going to work and caught me online on Steam. Uh, <laughs> was it, I think local time here was 3.30. Oh, oh my God. Uh, I'd wager that because I just got yeah. into work. It was 9.30. Steam yeah. automatically logged in on my machine and it just came up. Tony is playing Civilization Five. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a bad idea for me to load that up and play it because <sighs> old habits, old bad habits. Well, with the latest news from CIG done, let's get back to basics with Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. Hello, citizens and civilians, and welcome to Nuggets for Nuggets. This is our section of the show where we like to delve into the mechanics of Star Citizen and give you everything that we know from the inside out. Bit of a warning, though, this game is in active development, so all of the information given is subject to change. Some said it wasn't a wise move, but we ignored them, and we handed the keys over to you to select this week's ship, and you've chosen the Aurora from Robert Space Industries. Well... Every pilot has to start somewhere, and the Aurora ES is an entry-level, no-nonsense place to start. Everything you need, with no excess. Much like the Ford Focus, these ships are sturdy, reliable, and are very good for their price. The Aurora comes in a whopping five flavors. That's flavors with an O-U. The Essential, the Mark, the Clipper, the Legionnaire, and the LX. The Essential is the base model for the range, the template that all the rest are built upon. So that's where we're going to start breaking her down. At 18.5 meters long and 4.1 meters high, weighing in at a 15,000 kilograms, the only ship that's lighter than the Aurora is the M50. So provided you don't stuff your cargo bay full to the hilt, that would be a max of 5 tons. She's very nimble and maneuverable, like a leaf in the wind. The Aurora only has room for a single pilot, but then, for the cost, you're lucky to have ample legroom in the cockpit, let alone enough room for an entire other human being. After all, where else are they going to be able to house the main engine? Capable of housing only one of those TR3 main engines, the AS model comes with a Dragon STC Blue Fission engine, that's right, uranium or plutonium, folks, six TR1 maneuvering thrusters, and can equip a shield of up to a max rating of three. That's banana pudding in the metric system. And just because she's inexpensive doesn't mean she's cheap. No, 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 no. In fact, this little lady comes capable of equipping two Class 1 weapons and one Class 3. That translates to two fixed-point guns and a pylon box for carrying missiles and probes, respectively. This makes her capable of giving a hefty slap upside the head should you cross her the wrong way. Well, that's the essential covered, so let's talk about her beautiful sisters. First up, the Mark. Building on the base, but coming up with a pre-installed bearing M3A laser cannons up front and a slightly upgraded main engine, the Mark is perfect for interdicting. The Clipper comes with double the cargo capacity and a Tarsus AT jump scanner, but at the expense of upgrade slots. She's also heavier, weighing in at 17,000 kilograms. However, she's perfect for the mercenary or small cargo runner that wants to get from point A to point B without all the bells and whistles. The Legionnaire model is the heaviest in the lineup at 18,500 kilos, but comes with a massive upgrade to the shields and two Klaus and Werner Bulldog repeater guns up front and a Talon IR-4 Stalker missile on 
the wings. She can take some serious hits and keep on trucking, making the Legionnaire the ideal craft for militia or patrol missions. And finally, the LX, the forward focus with all the optional extras. That's right, leather-heated seats. Designed as an exploration and light mercantile vessel, she comes equipped with two Bering M3A laser cannons and the same Talon IR-4 missile rack and the Gorgon all-stop defender shield system as on the Legionnaire. Although her teeth aren't quite as sharp, she's lighter and feistier than her sister at 16,500 kilograms. She also comes with a lick of paint that just makes her look just a bit cooler. Like we said, they're the Ford Focus. There's going to be a lot of these flying throughout the universe because they're just plain, simple, no-nonsense ships. They, you, you get exactly what you see. There's nothing fancy. They're just going to be the everyday ship that you see flying around the verse. I like to think of these as the persistent universe drones. On the server side, there's going to be a, you know, what, several million NPCs, I guess, doing stuff, right? The engine's going to generate jobs, and if no player character takes it, it's going to assign it to an NPC. I see a mil- uh, you know all the AI NPCs in the universe having auroras, and it's only if a player character comes along that a larger, better equipped PC will come along and take those. I think they're designing the auroras sort of, yeah, it's your starter ship and where you learn to play the game, but it's also going to be you know the work beat. I think with its cockpit design, you know, that more open, I can see everything, even what's below me kind of look. It really does have some function as a cargo hauler. I mean, I can see this thing pulling a string of cargo barges behind it. You know, actually, yeah. Pulling a string of barges, like you know, like in real life, there are actually tugs that pull strings of barges down rivers and stuff like that. I think with the cockpit like that, a repair ship is good for this. This needs to be the utility craft that does anything. Well, now you know everything that we know about the Aurora. So let's get into the feedback loop and hear what you have to say. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! And from our show post over at guardfrequency.com, not a sausage, but that's fine because it means that all of you entered into our competition to win a copy of Void Destroyer by commenting on our show post over at the RSI forums. And speaking of winners of copies of Void Destroyer, congratulations to Paladin Smeg. You're this week's winner of a free Steam code to Void Destroyer. We'll get that out to you. And if you want to win one of the four remaining codes we have to give away, thanks to Iteration 11, the indie game company developing Void Destroyer, just leave us a post on Episode 12's thread on the RSI forum before 7 p.m. Central Time on Saturday, March the 8th. That's 1 a.m. Sunday, March 9th, GMT. And via the Robert Space Industries forums, Nix writes, Replace Lennon? Don't you dare. Ever since the 4th of July episode of Priority One, he's my hero. Keep up the good work. Hero is a very strong word. I, I would yeah, I, I don't use something else, that. but I can't repeat it on the air. <clears throat> you could. We could the, Lennon will just have to bleep it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's I mean, if point. you say things like, where the f*** is the dogfighting module? That's got to be bleeped out, so... And Sean Newrock says, Love the show, guys. Great job on bringing everything Star Citizen that's new to one place. Big ups to all the RSI teams on keeping all of us in the loop on everything that's going on. I've got to know, though, is this Sean Newboy? Sean Newrock? Mm, kind that's got to be. It's he's being be. nice. Yeah, exactly. He's nice. Exactly. Yeah, so he's never. He's never trolly. And uh, no, he's, yeah, we can count on him every week, and he's always just so pleasant and stuff. But he's missing out on a trick because everybody thinks he's really pleasant. He could just, you know, sign up. Oh, Sean Newrock. Yeah, your podcast sucks big time. <laughs> just uh, why don't you? Why don't you just go back to Priority One, Tony? Because we, we don't like you on Star Citizen. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, I don't think that thought would even have occurred to him without your help, Lennon. 
Because yeah. he's such a nice guy. But See, great. this is now why this is why I shouldn't be anybody's hero. I am not a exactly. good influence. Exactly. You are a bad influence, sir. I am indeed. Uh, all right. Well, and uh, we also hear from this. I don't know. I'm going to mess up this pronunciation really bad. Is it Zeb? Zebla? I don't know. Well, and he says Z, but in Britain it's pronounced Z. So Zeb. Well, he's, he's, this is the HR representative. I don't know if we should read his stuff on the air. He says, I'm waiting until my new X-52 Pro arrives before really getting into Void Destroyer. Newtonian fun awaits. Well, why don't you just try like the rest of us humans do and use a keyboard and mouse to you and your fancy X-52, whatever that might be from SciTech. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Nexus writes, oh, I keep forgetting to let the gang know. I started listening with episode three. By episode five, I became a backer, all thanks to you guys. Your enthusiasm about the game made me brave the wife and spend some money. Good for you. <laughs> uh-huh. yes. Keep up the good work and see you around. Yes, absolutely. And uh, special thanks to Nexus's wife for letting him buy into the Star Citizen funding model, and we look forward to seeing you. She she may not know yet, depending on how brave he is being about braving the wife. It may not happen until the next credit card statement. Yeah, I can uh, see that true. bravery going, yeah, that was uh, lunch. That yeah, was Tony. That's... That was Tony. <laughs> I was buying porn. That's what it was. <laughs> comes to something when you'd rather tell your wife, I was buying porn. <laughs> well, if the alternative is I'm buying a video game that doesn't exist yet, yeah. that you may be a viable option. You on it? No, I spent $500 <laughs> on porn. We've been over this. <laughs> uh, moving on. Student of Rackham writes in, says, keep up the good work, guys. By the way, I didn't see a list of community questions for this episode. Guess I'll just have to listen to episode 11 again, eh? Winky face. Lennon. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, that was my fault. Entirely my fault. Um, You're basically, fired. Uh, now that I'm fired, I can freely say, though, these guys, they work me to the bone. Okay, Red Start writes, thanks for the episode. I'm looking forward to the Void Destroyer key. Oh, uh, next uh-oh. week, try again, Red Star. Yep. you. The winner, Paladin Smeg, writes in, Fourteen ninety nine American or eight pounds three shillings and twelve guineas in the metric system. That was a quote from me, I think, an episode or two ago. Paladin says, "Wow, I'm just going to leave this image and make no further comment on that epic statement, you crazy Americans." And then he posts in the forum a picture of the four countries, three countries that still use the real measurement system, the imperial measurement system. God save the queen. <laughs> he writes in, "P.S. Your podcast is awesome, and I want my Void Destroyer. Congratulations, you get it." P.P.S. I really enjoy these types of interviews like the ones with Paul. It not only helps fill in time while we wait for the f***ing dogfighting module, but it's also interesting in its own right. Keep up the good work. P.P.P.S. Oh, stuff it. I can't help myself. Metric system equals UK currency. Really? Head explodes. <laughs> and P.P.P.P.S. Lennon should stay despite having to put up with that metric system comment, but you definitely should have had the talking cat on. It's not good Apparently, it. there's some interest, though. Uh, Apparently, there's some interest in having a talking cat on. Do we have anybody to interview? Any cats? I have two cats here, but, but neither of them are very talkative. Oh. Are either of them indie devs? Indie devs. <laughs> no. yeah. Okay. No. I mean, no, does, does, does missing the cat box count as anything? And coming into us from Twitter, we have so much correspondence going back and forth now, guys, with uh, mm-hmm. special thanks to Shivery uh, Bean, our community manager. So we're unfortunately, we're not going to be able to read all of it, but we just wanted to take one or two little pieces to highlight. And so Master T. Chala writes in and says, I wonder if you can dress the part of the choice in your career. The smuggler look in SWOTOR would be boss old West type. 
I, I realize I'm probably putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable there, but that's what you get for not speaking English. So, Jeff, what are you dressed up as in SWOTOR? I play Jedis mostly. I do have a gunslinger, and he's got the long coat, of course, and the, and the hat and the swaggering guns. Okay, from Twitter, we hear from Asros. The idea of having your own carrier blows my mind. Insane. I wish I'd bought an Idris. I wish I'd bought an Idris, too. I'm, <laughs> I still want to buy an Idris. I think we're all going to be able to buy one collectively. I really think that this is the Guildhouse mechanic. And if it's not, it should be. Well, did we make you want to break down in tears because everything's just too beautiful? Would it be better if we sent me on a one-way trip to the Magnus system to look for twiglets for Lennon? Let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. You can check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. You can leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. But now you can subscribe to us at feeds.guardfrequency.com or just find us on iTunes. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at guardfreak and leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guardfreak. And if you're old and decrepit like us, shoot us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute and tell us what's on your mind. And I'm just going to take a minute here to thank all of our new Twitter followers at Charlie's Arnold, at Azros, at Ronin Sam Ronin, at Sunny's Diner, a fellow Star Citizen podcaster. Good to have you aboard. At Cookie Cupcakes, she is a new host over on Priority One. And at Tony Lou74. Thanks for following us, guys. And that brings us to the end of episode 12 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 13 on the 11th of March. Be sure to keep an eye out for our episodes over at GuardFrequency.com or our post over at the Robert Space Industries Fan Sites Forum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down in the feedback loop, you can hit the contact form at the top of our website. But this week, be sure to post up on our show's forum threads over at robertspaceindustries.com and get your name in the next drawing for the Void Destroyer Early Access. All of the details for all of the ways you can get in contact with us will be in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Do you want to come join our team? If so, send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K at guardfrequency.com. We're always on the lookout for talented individuals. So no matter what you're into, we want to hear from you. And if you're looking for a friendly wingman or two, check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. We want to thank the entire team over at Guard Frequency and Priority One Productions. Special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music during our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. And we especially want to thank all you folks for tuning in. If there's no one listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Turn to 330, Carol 15. Stay on the guard. An anonymous tip-off leads to the discovery... Okay, sorry, my teeth are now back in position. <laughs> An anonymous tip-off leads to the... Uh, are you sure, are you sure the teeth are there? Uh, Double-check the teeth. So Chris... Was, one, yeah, I was gonna... God <laughs> damn it! No dramatic pauses! God. <sighs> Fine. <laughs> Chris was then asked... <laughs> um, <right. laughs> Thank you for your presentation of the William Shatner School of Acting. Guesses so far have ranged from a lining, a lining amazer. <laughs> <laughs>
A lining maser, yes. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, a, it's a microwave laser that draws... Oh, lines. I thought it was for exactly. uh, putting eyeliner on your eye, eyelashes or something. With a laser? What are you, mental? <laughs> hey, man, it's the 29th century. The 30th well, that's century, true, 30th that's century. true. You never know, man. Though these guys, they work me to the bone. My ass is we do. red from the whipping. We do. And yes. just uh, that, occasionally it's in my mind. That wasn't a whipping. Oh, was it not? That's going in the bloopers, Jeff. Well done. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Hello. There's normally something I follow that up with. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Dramatic pauses again, Lennon. How We're going to send you back to radio school. <laughs>